Right now on the lead, Ian strikes, decimating parts of Florida's Gulf Coast and still on a deadly path as authorities begin to assess just how many lives have been lost. The high waters, homes, buildings and roads ripped apart, ongoing search and rescue missions, and the damage is not just along the coast. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we start today with our national lead and the first look at the death and devastation left behind by Hurricane Ian across southwest and central Florida. This same system first made landfall in Cuba, then on to Florida's west coast. Now Ian is about to strengthen and make its third landfall. Let's show you what Ian has done already. This was Fort Myers Beach this morning. Chunks of metal and trees thrown across the streets, buildings ripped apart, cars destroyed. A Fort Myers resident who's lived there his entire life told CNN this is the worst hurricane he's ever lived through. Also, barrier islands have been cut off. Near Fort Myers, all of the bridges to Pine Island have failed, and massive sections of the Sanibel Causeway were washed away by the storm surge, severing the only connection Sanibel and Captiva Islands have to the Florida mainland. Search and rescue crews have been deployed, including the U.S. Coast Guard, to check on people who chose to stay behind and ride out the storm. Almost every person in this county, Lee County, is currently without power. Just a small fraction of the 2.6 million customers in the dark across the state of Florida right now. The Lee County Sheriff says he cannot give a definite assessment of the number of deaths, but he believes at least five people have been killed so far. CNN knows of 10 other storm-related deaths in Florida, and officials expect that number to go up, as does President Biden. This could be the deadliest hurricane in Florida's history. The numbers of still are still unclear, but we're hearing early reports of what may be substantial loss of life. Florida Senator Rick Scott also noted yesterday, many times more people die after the storm than during the actual storm. That's because of falling power lines, falling trees, electrical accidents from items such as generators, The risk from Ian is nowhere close to over. It has weakened to a tropical storm, but it's now back over the waters of the Atlantic. It is expected to gain strength there and become a hurricane once again before battering South Carolina tomorrow. Our teams are spread across the hardest hit regions of Florida to cover this historic storm. Let's start with our Brian Todd, who's been surveying the damage as he's traveled down Florida's west coast from St. Petersburg south to Naples. And Brian Water has started receding where you are. What did the water leave behind? Uh, This is what it left behind, Jake. Take a look at these apartment units here. Ground floor of this apartment building on Gulf Shore Boulevard. It just completely tore out the facade of this one, as well as this one and several others. We could do a sweep all the way down the street, and you would see similar scenes. This is the kind of damage that's being assessed right now as rescues are continuing today. Up and down Florida's west coast today, residents facing flooded homes, neighborhoods underwater, streets littered with abandoned cars, roofs torn off, boats wrecked, roads blocked by flooding and debris. After a stormy night of tearing winds, rushing water and last minute escapes as the Category 4 hurricane ripped through. All of a sudden, the house flooded. It just started going deeper and deeper. And by the time we were walking out, we were mid-thigh in water. The Naples Fire Department carrying out water rescues, even though some of their own stations were flooded. 
First responders even spotted on jet skis. We've never seen a, a flood event like this. We've never seen storm surge of this magnitude. Bill Hogan says the water reached two or three feet in his house. He thinks the boat on his lawn came from two blocks away. Which would give you some sense of, um, you know, of how much water was here. There was at least three feet of water throughout the whole street. Fort Myers, among the hardest hit from the waterfront to downtown to inland neighborhoods. Lost everything we've had. Been in the house since 1987. Pictures, memories. Fort Myers Beach, now a debris field. In Port Charlotte, flooding at a hospital's ICU. We got people out of the ICU. The problem then ended up being that this water gushed down the stairwells, as you see there, and onto other floors. The causeway to Sanibel Island breached in several places. Anyone who stayed there now cut off from the only link to the mainland. More than 2.5 million customers lost power, with repair crews just beginning to fan out. Officials warning residents that hazards remain. You have power lines that are down. Uh, you have trees that are down. You have a lot of hazards right now. And it's not just the West Coast. Some of the flooding you're going to see in areas hundreds of miles from where this made landfall um, are going to set records. Damage extending well into central Florida. Orlando saw more than a foot of rain, prompting high water rescues. Holy mackerel. This first trailer here is actually underwater and residents at a nursing home evacuated. In Kissimmee, trapped victims brought to safety with airboats. This family saying they lost everything and were taken out a window. Another woman wishes she had evacuated before the storm. I heard the neighbors screaming. I went to look out the window. Their car was submerged, so we tried to get the vehicles out, but it was too late. Even in the east, Jacksonville and St. Augustine seeing coastal flooding and strong winds. And from our position here in Naples, we can show you another angle. We've got a drone up in the air on uh, the stationary position not far away from me. We've got a drone looking down Gulf Shore Boulevard here. You can see some of the debris and damage uh, down the street here and just kind of the wide swath of where uh, the storm came in. As we've been reporting, at least 15 deaths as of now attributed to the storm here in Florida. Of course, uh, the officials are saying that that number is expected to grow. And as we've been reporting, Ian is not done yet. It's targeting another state. Uh, believed to be uh, ready to hit South Carolina tomorrow again as a hurricane. Jake. All right, Brian Todd, thanks so much. North now to Lee County, Florida, where at least five people are reported to have been killed in the storm. CNN's Randy Kay is live for us in Fort Myers. And Randy, you're learning more about water rescues around you. Absolutely, Jake. We've learned that as of this morning, about 500 people have been rescued here in Lee County, where, where Fort Myers is, and also in Charlotte County, uh, where Punta Gorda is, where we spent the day yesterday. That's according to the state's emergency management. It's unclear how what, what condition those people were in or if any of them needed uh, to be taken to the hospital. But certainly, Jake, they are lucky to be alive. Homes underwater, roofs shattered, boats scattered across waterways. Fort Myers, Florida, so battered by Hurricane Ian's unrelenting winds and destructive storm surge. It's just devastating to see my neighborhood like this. It was unrecognizable to residents who emerged after the storm. Sydney Van Horn and Kylie Jones returned to check on their Fort Myers home. That thing used to be way over here. The fridge was turned the other way, flipped up against the wall. The flood and wind damage they found in their home was much worse than they expected. It just smacked us really hard and, you know, we fled to my mom's and that's all we could have did, but now we're homeless. 
Those who stayed in the area to ride out the storm describing alarming conditions. I just tried to keep everyone calm the whole time. It was very scary to have the water and the river flowing underneath us all night long. Some neighbors spent the morning checking on each other. It was up about two foot. Two feet. All through it, yeah. At least five people are believed to have died in Lee County, where Fort Myers is located, the sheriff says. Its beach devastated by a 10-foot storm surge. Almost 90 percent of customers in the city of Fort Myers are without power. We didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. I don't think anybody really did. Officials in Florida repeating the same message. Stay inside because it's, it's not safe to be out moving around. Fort Myers officials reminding residents a stay-at-home curfew is in effect. Today is about identifying the people that need help who may still be in harm's way. Keeping people off damaged and debris-filled roads crucial for first responders. These are dangerous missions, and I'm grateful for the brave women and men in federal, state, and local governments working as one team, risking their lives to save others. The Coast Guard already rescuing over two dozen people in the area throughout the day. It's a very dangerous operation for them. As you can imagine, uh, things don't look the same as they did before. Uh, You've got down power lines. You've got uh, lights that are out, uh, fires in the area. Saving lives, the priority, even before officials can begin to assess the damage. You stabilize, you provide the help with people but you want to get back to some semblance of normalcy as quickly as possible. And and it's going to be harder in some areas than others. And Jake, if there's any question about the power of this storm, just take a look here behind me. We're at the Fort Myers Yacht Basin. Look at these boats. They were docked. They were in the marina here, uh, and they are no longer in the marina. The storm just tossed them right out. And we were also on the city streets, which, as you know, were flooded yesterday. We saw huge cement pieces of the dock that had traveled for blocks from this marina, from this area, into the city, Jake. All right, Randy Kay, thank you so much. Randy Kay in Fort Myers. The National Hurricane Center expects Ian to continue strengthening and to become a hurricane once again in just a few hours. It's a tropical storm now off the coast of Florida in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, CNN's meteorologist Jennifer Gray is in the Weather Center for us. Jennifer, where is Ian right now exactly and how strong is it expected to get as it regains strength? Right. So right now it's just off the coast of Orlando. You can see that little swirl there. I'll highlight it for you because the storm is is quite disorganized right now, as you can expect, but it is starting to get its act together again. Right now with winds of 70 miles per hour, we only have to get to 74 before this becomes a hurricane once again. But keep in mind, tropical storm force winds extend hundreds of miles from the center. We're already seeing tropical storm force winds all along the coast of Georgia, South Carolina, and very gusty winds are extending inland. A lot of these trees in the southeast have big tree canopies, so we're going to see a lot of trees go down uh, probably over the next day or so, a lot of power lines down, so do expect more of that. So this is going to make landfall most likely as a Category 1 storm along the South Carolina coast. Jake, you know this. This is a very vulnerable area as well. The low country, this is a very low-lying part of the southeast coast. Charleston floods very easily, and so when you get potentially five to seven feet of storm surge into that part of the coast, downtown Charleston could be underwater. We could be looking at another uh, very, very scary situation here, even with not a very strong storm. This will be a Category 1 storm, but sometimes the impacts from storms, even if they are a Category 1, 
can be very, very big. So we're looking at four to seven feet of storm surge potentially right around Charleston. Once you get down to Savannah, it's four to six. That's significant as well. Water's going to be pushing up into these rivers, these inlets, the intercoastal, and all of these areas, the people that live around here know that they flood very, very easily. And so we are likely going to see a lot of water inundation across the southeast coast. So winds are already starting to, uh, to gust across this area. We're already seeing tropical storm force winds, likely seeing hurricane force winds by the time we get to tomorrow morning. And then, Jake, this making landfall around midday tomorrow. All right, Jennifer Gray, thank you so much. Right now, no one can get on or off Sanibel Island. Governor DeSantis just took an aerial tour of the area. He said Sanibel experienced, quote, biblical storm surge. Sanibel just off the coast of Cape Coral in Fort Myers. What this rescue team and others are up against, that's next. Another big story right now, Vladimir Putin just hours away. One of the largest land grabs in Europe since 1945. What is Putin's annexation and absorption plan. That's ahead. But first, a time-lapse view of Ian moving in. A traffic camera on Sanibel Island captured this, giving us at least some perspective of the ferocious storm surge that Governor DeSantis called biblical and the force of this storm. We'll be right back. This just into CNN, stunning new drone footage of the Sanibel Island Causeway, or what's left of it. You can see entire sections of the highway just missing, now sitting in the Gulf of Mexico. Other sections of the road are buried in the sand. This road is the only access to the barrier island of Sanibel outside of Fort Myers by road vehicle. Right now, rescuers can only get to Sanibel Island by boat. Let's bring in Mary Mayhew. She is the president and CEO of the Florida Hospital Association. Mary, thanks for joining us. You manage a network of hospitals across the state of Florida. We understand some along Florida's West Coast are damaged. How extensive is that damage and are people okay? Well, obviously the focus for our hospitals in the Southwest Florida area is on taking care of their patients, responding to the needs in that area as the search and rescue operations are underway. Thankfully, most of the hospitals did not uh, deal with any damage to their facilities. The biggest challenge, of course, is their dependency on infrastructure, the utilities, the electrical grid, water supply. Uh, We have one of the larger health systems in Lee County uh, where uh, several of their facilities are without water because of the disruption in the local public water supply. That, of course, is creating significant challenges. Hospitals have to have water to stay operational. Uh, So we are today working with, the state is working with uh, local officials and the hospital to transfer to evacuate a number of patients in those facilities. What about uh, the patients? Where are they being moved? Well, again, this is heartening. Around the state, hospitals have been coming to the aid of their colleagues. We have identified beds both in the region 
and around the state where hospitals are ready to accept patient transfers. They are offering up ambulances, air transport to help support. This is a very sophisticated, well-coordinated effort to safely evacuate and transfer patients. Of course, the priority is to support transfers locally so patients can stay close to home and to their families. Do you worry that the hospitals in your network that are now out of service might prevent you from providing critical care in these hard-hit areas? As you know, many serious injuries come not just during the hurricane, but in the, in the days afterwards. Well, we're still in the throes of we don't know what we don't know. And, and that is certainly as hospitals are examining um, all aspects of their uh, physical structure, evaluating for water damage. We have other areas of the state that may still see and experience flooding. Uh, and then, of course, it's the hundreds of search and rescue operations that are occurring right now where there will be a need for hospital care. Uh, you, you know, again, we, we all take for granted sometimes what we have um, at the ready and at our access until it's not there. Our hospitals, of course, are 24-7 operations. Uh, so it is not just, as you said, what is happening today, but it's their ability over the next days and weeks and months uh, to ensure that they have access to services for their patients, for their communities. And of course, it's not just hospitals. We have nursing homes, assisted living facilities, group homes that are being affected either from damage as a result of the storm or the, the lack of access to water. That is affecting the whole continuum of healthcare services in that region. Now, thankfully, a lot of resources. Governor DeSantis, his team had resources stationed in nearby counties. They were deployed in the early hours uh, today to be there to help all of these healthcare providers respond uh, to the situation and to the pressing needs. All right, Mary Mayhew, thank you so much. Mary Mayhew with the Florida Hospital Association. New drone video coming in shows a marina in Fort Myers and boats now sitting atop each other after Ian came through. A resident who lives nearby told us, quote, everything is pretty much wiped out. We're going to have more from Florida's West Coast and beyond. That's next. And we're back with our breaking news coverage of Hurricane Ian. Some residents are now returning home now that the storm has moved across the state and is going across the Atlantic Ocean. They're going to see what is left behind of their home. CNN's Carlos Suarez is live in Englewood, which is just north of Fort Myers and south of St. Petersburg. Carlos, how bad is the damage where you are? The, uh, Jake, the damage out here is pretty bad. Every single person we've talked to out here is returning home for the first time. And this is how things look. Debris litters this entire community, twisted metal, parts of roofs, as well as what we believe to be what's left of this carport. Just on the other side of this property, that home right there is missing its roof. And then on the other side is a car that was parked, its front windshield busted in. Everyone that we talked to out here told us they made the decision to evacuate. They did everything they were asked to do, and now they're coming home to see that they don't have a whole lot left. They are packing up their belongings. They're trying to figure out where to go next, but they say they are going to rebuild because for them, Florida remains home. Jake. All right, Carlos, thank you so much. Today, President Biden visited FEMA headquarters where he received a briefing on the damage from Hurricane Ian. The president then declared Hurricane Ian 
could possibly be the deadliest hurricane in the history of the state of Florida. Let's bring in Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas, you were there. As President Biden said, he's hearing early reports of significant loss of life. Uh, Tell us what you can uh, about that. Uh, Jake, the president has moved so very swiftly, both in anticipation of and in response to Hurricane Ian. Uh, He uh, issued an emergency declaration before the hurricane hit landfall so we could pre-position assets and get our resources and capabilities ready to respond as swiftly as possible. He also, when the hurricane hit, issued a major disaster declaration so we could bring additional resources, and that is indeed what we have done. We have FEMA, the United States Coast Guard, Transportation Security Administration, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. We have thousands of people deployed to Florida, and that's just the Department of Homeland Security. The president has issued a directive that this be an all-of-government response so that we can address all of the affected Floridians. We spoke of what we have done thus far. We are in a search and rescue operation and moving swiftly uh, to uh, response and recovery. We informed the president of all that we have done thus far under his direction, and he, of course, made it very clear that he wants us there not just today, not just there tomorrow, but until the mm-hmm. recovery is full and complete mm-hmm. for everyone impacted. So uh, uh, what can you tell us about loss of life and also uh, cause of loss of life? Uh, because obviously a lot of individuals uh, chose to stay behind. And as we know, a lot of individuals ten- uh, lose their life after the hurricane uh, has gone uh, when they go outside and uh, horrible things happen. What can you tell us about that? Jake, we are starting to receive the reports, of course, uh, of loss uh, of life, as was anticipated. Um, Tragically, uh, that has materialized. Uh, We're very concerned that the numbers will increase as the assessments and as we learn uh, more. But it is so vitally important that people listen to local officials and follow the direction that they receive. Uh, People cannot consider themselves invulnerable. This storm is very likely to have historic impacts. It's breathtaking to see the impacts that already have occurred. And we cannot overemphasize the need to listen to people in positions of responsibility, listen to the experts and follow their advice. Last night, you approved the the waiver for the Jones Act, which is going to allow a British oil ship to bring diesel to Puerto Rico to help with the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona a few weeks ago. This comes after several days of delay while the ship was waiting for permission to dock. Um, Do you think Florida could see a similar situation? Well, the the Jones Act waiver that I issued, uh, uh, Jake, last night uh, was to address the diesel needs of the people of Puerto Rico. And over the last few days, that careful assessment of what they need and what American vessels could supply was underway by the Department of Homeland Security and the Departments of Energy, Transportation and Defense. We're going to bring uh, to bear whatever the people of Florida need to save lives. That is our ultimate responsibility and to help them respond and recover. We're going to do everything it takes for as long as it takes.
All right, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Coming up, St. Augustine is on the complete opposite side of Florida along the northeast coast. This is what people there are experiencing right now. Take a look at that, the power and deadly force of Ian and the climate crisis that is igniting and intensifying these storms. That's next. Continuing our coverage of Hurricane Ian and its impact in Central Florida, uh, this is Orange County, the Orlando, Florida area, more in the center of the state. All day now we've watched as the floodwaters there have gone up and rescue teams have gone out, going door to door, saving people trapped in their homes. Joining us now is Jerry Demings. He's the mayor of Orange County, Florida. Mayor Demings, what's the latest uh, in Central Florida? Do you have any reports of deaths or, or major damage? Uh, we're very, very fortunate here that we have not had any reported deaths. In terms of damage, yes, we had damage, but uh, things were bad, but it could have been a lot worse. And I say that because uh, it had been projected that we would have as much as uh, 24 inches of rainfall uh, across our county, a thousand square mile county. We averaged about 12 inches of rain, which um, did result in some localized flooding. We had uh, only a few areas that had major flooding that occurred here within the area. We have about 216,000 households of that without power at, that, at this time, but we had no uh, one who uh, ended up without water. Uh, and so uh, that put us in a much better position. Uh, in terms of uh, damage, yes, we had a significant number of trees down, power lines down, et cetera. Uh, but uh, no significant structural damage occurred across the county. In fact, uh, we are very optimistic that uh, as soon as this weekend, we may see our theme parks reopen for business. Although I do understand that your county received a record number of emergency phone calls since Hurricane Ian moved through the area. What kinds of calls uh, were going through? When we talk about our first responders, the sheriff's office received twice as many calls uh, during the last uh, 24 hour period as they would normally have received. Our fire department uh, has received almost three times as many calls because of uh, rescue efforts, evacuation efforts to get those who were in uh, some at risk, vulnerable neighborhoods uh, out of harm's way uh, into our shelters. We have Uh, Just about a thousand people now who remain within our uh, local shelters. Uh, But uh, notwithstanding any of that, we expect that uh, only about another inch or so of rainfall to occur. It puts us in a very good position where we should see uh, all of the tropical force winds out of the county uh, by uh, sometime between 8 and 10 p.m. tonight. What resources or shelters can, can people refer to in your area, especially for those who came to Orange County from Tampa? Uh, we have a very easy way for individuals to access information about our available shelters. Uh, they can simply dial 311 in our community, and there's a bank of operators there who uh, will uh, refer them to an appropriate shelter. If they are persons with special needs, we have designated special needs shelters. We have a little over 200 people who uh, have various health issues who are in our special needs shelters. And at those shelters, we have uh, 
uh, physicians and nursing staff that's uh, capable of taking care of, of their needs. All right, Mary, Mayor Jerry Demings of Orange County, Florida, thanks so much for your time today. Hurricane Ian brought record flooding to parts of central Florida, producing a one in 1,000 year rainfall event. But extreme rainfall is becoming more common than once a millennium. Human-caused climate change is stacking the deck in favor of more intense storms. CNN's Jennifer Gray is back with us in the CNN Weather Center. Jennifer, what can we learn about the effects of climate change from watching a storm such as Hurricane Ian? I think we're seeing firsthand, Jake, and we've seen this in the last couple of years. We saw it with Harvey. We're now seeing it with Ian. How much water that these storms can hold. We are seeing just incredible amounts of rainfall, record rainfall with these storms. We're also seeing the storms get stronger and get stronger quicker with that rapid intensification. It used to be pretty rare to get a Category 4, Category 5, and now we're seeing more of them and more frequently. But the amount of water that fell with this storm in particular, the radar estimates that huge area of about 20 inches, uh, and we know that some areas received even more. And this is across the entire state, the entire peninsula of Florida. Look at this. The preliminary rainfall totals close to 20 inches in Northport. These are some of the totals that we that we got over the last 24 hours or so. And um, this strongest landfall as well. This one ranks number four, 150 miles per hour. We talked about yesterday how it ties with Hurricane Charlie, that Labor Day storm, of course, of 185, taking that number one spot. And then the storm surge. This one did come in at number one uh, with the storm surge. And we know also with sea level rise as well, as the sea level starts to rise, it's only going to make storm surge even worse uh, as these storms continue. Look at these tide gauges. We're still in major flooding across Fort Myers, and it's just going to take a very long time for that water to recede, Jake. Florida's West Coast rarely sees storms of this magnitude. Could that change in the future? I really think it will. You know, we've seen these storms rapidly intensify. We've been talking about with this storm in particular, where the winds increased by 35 miles per hour during a 24-hour period. This storm did it twice. And we see this all the time now. It used to be very rare for a storm to rapidly intensify. And now I feel like with nearly every storm, it's rapidly intensifying right before it makes landfall. And what used to happen would be they would start to weaken right before landfall. Now we're actually seeing them strengthen. Look in just the last couple of years, all of these storms rapidly intensified. Uh, Rita, 70 miles per hour in a 24-hour increase, uh, 24 hours. So it's just really unprecedented what we've seen over the last decade or so. And you have to remember, too, that the damage increases exponentially uh, once you get into a higher category. So here are the Category 4 and 5 Gulf landfalls. Just in- Jennifer, congrats. Appreciate it. Much more of Ian's aftermath ahead, plus a bizarre arrest flagged today by the judge. Maryland couple accused of offering up secret records to Russia. What we know about the Army Major and his wife facing these allegations, that's next. And we're just a few minutes away from the latest update from the National Hurricane Center. We'll see if Ian has strengthened again to a hurricane as the current tropical storm prepares to hit Georgia and South Carolina. But I do want to briefly turn to another important story in the world lead. Russia has scheduled a signing ceremony for tomorrow to celebrate one of the largest annexations in Europe in recent history, which amounts to essentially stealing 
thousands of square miles of Ukrainian territory. In occupied parts of the east and south of the country where fake referendums were held with some Ukrainian citizens forced to vote at gunpoint. This even as new video obtained by CNN shows Ukrainian forces advancing on rural areas of Donetsk, still held by a variety of pro-Russian militia. CNN's Matthew Chance joins us now. Uh, Matthew, how is the international community reacting uh, to this move from the Kremlin, acting as if these referenda are actually legitimate? I mean, Jake, I mean, there's, there's outrage being expressed um, from from various, of course, Western countries that have been fundamentally opposed to what Russia has been doing. Uh, the United Nations Secretary General is saying this goes against you know, all of the basis of you know, the international system of rules in, in, in the international community. Um, it was put most succinctly, I think, by President Biden who came out with a very adamant statement saying that the United States would, quote, never, never, never recognise these territories, which are soon to be annexed by Russia, to be part of the Russian Federation. But, you know, in in a sense, that's not really the, the main concern here, the main threat. The fact is that Russia, after this signing ceremony tomorrow intends to incorporate these regions uh, into the Russian Federation. A Russian flag, uh, in the minds of the Kremlin at least, will be planted uh, in that territory. And the Kremlin has said categorically that if it comes down to it, it will use nuclear weapons to defend Mother Russia. And as far as it's concerned, this territory from very shortly will be part of Mother Russia. And so it really raises the stakes uh, in this conflict. And frankly, it hasn't really been done before. It's not really been something that's happened before that a country would sort of take land, annex it, declare it part of its own country and say, if you if you attack it, then there could be a a nuclear retaliation for that. So it's a very, I suppose, very innovative stance of the Russian president. But it's also a very, very dangerous one as well, Jake. All right, Matthew Chance, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Meanwhile, here in the United States, a, a Maryland couple has been charged with conspiring against the U.S. with the Russian government. Federal prosecutors allege the married couple, both of whom are doctors, of providing, quote, individually identifiable health information to an undercover FBI agent posing as a Russian government employee. CNN's Oren Lieberman uh, from the Pentagon with this. Uh, Oren, how did all this come about? Well, according to the indictment, back in mid-August or so, Anna Gabrielian, an anesthesiologist at Johns Hopkins, and Army Major Jamie Lee Henry reached out to an undercover FBI agent whom they believed to be an official at the Russian embassy and offered to provide private medical information over to the Russians to assist them and to help them in pretty much any way they could. This communication, according to the indictment, continued as they tried to set up a plan here. Gabriellian even asked the undercover FBI agent for a cover story and plans to help their children get out of the country should the U.S. government discover what was happening here and these conversations. I'll read a bit from the indictment here. It is Gabriellian who said that Henry, an army major based at Fort Bragg, could be even more help to the Russians by telling them how the U.S. military establishes an army hospital in war conditions and telling them about previous training the U.S. military has done in Ukraine. In addition, according to the indictment, Gabriellian told the undercover agent she was motivated by patriotism toward Russia to provide any assistance she could to Russia, even if it meant being fired or going to jail. According to the indictment at a subsequent meeting, it is Henry, remember the army major based at Fort Bragg, who provided private health information to the undercover agent that includes the private health information of the spouses of dead U.S. veterans. Jake? So I googled his name, and this is not the first time that Army Major Henry has been in the news. 
Absolutely not. Army Major Jamie Lee Henry has been in the news for a very different region, uh, reason. She is the first publicly known transgender army officer, and she made news, quite a bit of celebrity news, of course, for this reason, and was lauded for her coming out. She transitioned from male to female, speaking about her journey and her decision-making, as well as how that influenced her being a doctor. This, obviously, a very different part of that story, Jake. All right, Oren Lieberman at the Pentagon, thanks so much. CNN's Bill Weir made his way to a hard-hit area of Cape Coral, just south of Fort Myers. Uh, Look at that. Water knee-high and higher in some spots. The challenge, of course, as crews try to find people who may be trapped in their homes there. We're going to get Bill's report next. Also ahead, new images of the destruction in Fort Myers, utter destruction. What's going to be a long and arduous cleanup process? Stick with us. I'm Jake Tapper, and we're starting this hour of The Lead with a a new look at the destruction and devastation from Hurricane Ian across Florida as the current tropical storm moves over the Atlantic, where it is expected to regain strength, once again become a hurricane, before moving up the uh, coast of the United States. This is what Lee County, home to Fort Myers, Florida, on the west coast of the state, looks like today. Homes burning, firefighters unable to get to them, roofs torn to shreds, once beautiful Oceanfront neighborhoods now littered with sand and debris. CNN's drone video capturing what is left of the causeway from the mainland of Florida to Sanibel Island. The road is now broken, washed away. Other sections completely submerged in the Gulf of Mexico. That barrier island now completely cut off to all road vehicle traffic. Right now there are at least 15 known deaths from the hurricane, but power and communications are still knocked out in many areas, making it impossible to get in touch with uh, people who may be trapped, may need rescue. We're going to start our coverage today with CNN's Bill Weir, who was on the ground wading through the floodwaters in Cape Coral, right near Fort Myers. It's so fascinating now. I spent the last 36 hours trying to picture what a 17-foot storm surge looks like, given the projections as Ian was screaming ashore. But you come here and you realize three feet of storm surge is enough to destroy lives to take everything. And the sad part is, a lot of these folks had no insurance. But, oh my goodness, I'm just feeling with my feet hazards that you can't see. And that's what's so worrying for officials now, concerned about folks who are eager to get back and see what's left of their lives and may accidentally electrocute themselves. Um, There have been fires that have started because of natural gas leaks. You gotta worry about snakes, you gotta worry about sewage and maybe oil spills. This is just the beginning of such a painful stretch for so many folks. Well, <laughs> and I told Pat, there's no way I'm walking in that building water. <laughs> I said, there's snakes, there's fire ants, and alligators, and alligators and alligators. <laughs> but this is too important. I'm here now. They're here now. Looks like something came down hard on your carport.
Can you reach around? But right over here. I think it's it's wedged against the frame. Yeah. But you can see in there. I got you here. Hold on to my arm. Step far enough in here. I got you. There you go. Wow. Salvageable? I don't know. I doubt it. Worse 
Wow. It's amazing, too. Isn't it? I mean, it, it's this, describe no, this, what you're stepping in here. It's just, it's just like muck. Our thanks to Bill Weir for that report. I want to go live to Orlando, Florida now and CNN's uh, Ryan Young. Ryan, tell us what you're seeing there. Yeah, Jake, so much pain in this area. People upset about the loss of their possessions. We can show you this right here. This is a lake that it crossed its banks very easily, and that water came into a roadway. There was someone who was trying to drive down the street, got their car stuck. This is something that we saw over and over throughout central Florida. High floodwaters, homes damaged, people's entire lives uprooted by Hurricane Ian. The house flooded. It just started going deeper and deeper. And by the time we were walking out, we were mid-thigh in water. These images show how powerful Hurricane Ian was when it slammed into southwest Florida as a Category 4 storm. Bringing with it destructive wind, record rainfall, and storm surge reaching 12 feet in some places. Just devastating to see my neighborhood like this. More than 2 million customers left without power as of Thursday afternoon. Florida Power and Light says restoring power in Fort Myers and Naples will take longer than in other parts of the state due to the scope of the damage. You know, our goal here is to get the power back on as quickly as possible. But most importantly, we're going to do that safely. While crews work to restore power. First responders continue to search and rescue dozens of people from the floodwaters in southwest Florida. And in central Florida, crews are using airboats to pull people from their waterlogged homes. Went to sleep about 6 o'clock when we woke up. I heard the neighbors screaming. I went to look out the window. Their car was submerged. Hurricane Ian swamped this hospital in Port Charlotte from both above and below, forcing hospital employees to move patients. Very, very quickly, we got people out of the ICU. The problem then ended up being that this water gushed down the stairwells, as you see there, and onto other floors. And the flooding isn't over yet. Governor Ron DeSantis warning the water will continue to rise. St. John's River all the way up potentially into, into northeast Florida and Jacksonville. The amount of water that's been rising and will likely continue to rise today, even as the storm is passing, uh, is basically a 500-year flood event. Jake, we've seen so many first responders working overtime of the last few days. We were told all their off days have been canceled, as you can understand. And there are people who've been walking by and saying thank you to them. But you can understand over the last few hours, they've been really needed, especially with all the water rescues that have happened. We've lost count at this point about how many times we've had to go out and help people. Early this morning, we were in front of a hospital, and a man and a woman showed up. They were in desperate need. Why? Because the water was blocking the hospital. The woman was going into labor. We were able to help them get around the blockades and get to that hospital. So you understand today was a day so many people felt stress, so many people saw flooding they've never seen before. Jake? All right, Ryan Young in Orlando, Florida, thank you so much for that report. FEMA officials say that Lee County, Florida, where Fort Myers is located, was hit the hardest by Hurricane Ian, and the damage there is catastrophic. Officials there believe at least five people have been killed by the storm. Search and rescue efforts are ongoing, and nearly 90% of people are without power. CNN's Derek Van Dam is in Fort Myers for us right now. Derek, tell us what kind of damage you're seeing. Yeah, Jake, you know, I can echo that. We have our teams, as we arrived at Fort Myers today, uh, we witnessed widespread to catastrophic destruction. In fact, some of the roads were uh, impossible, impossible to pass through because of the flooded streets and neighborhoods that we saw what you're looking at behind me 
uh, is the power of Mother Nature, the power of the storm surge that just rattled this uh, particular location at the Fort Myers Yacht Basin. Just incredible to see how these, uh, these yachts were lifted up. But, uh, you know, aside from the financial implications of this, it shows the, f the full force of what storm surge can actually do. And I think this is important for you to see it from the air because uh, it actually took some of the docks in this particular yacht basin and brought them into downtown Fort Myers. And that just shows you that the water was actually pushed that far inland. We've all seen those visuals as well. Um, you can see some boats that have been uh, positioned between buildings, just completely taken away from uh, their positioning uh, in this particular marina. And we spoke to residents who rode this out and what they said was a terrifying moment uh, for them and their families, but the most uh, scary part for them going forward is that they have no way to communicate with people because electricity and communication remains down. This is the first time today for my crew and I that we've actually been able to communicate with the outside world because all comms, aside from satellite communication, has been taken down for us. The uh, mayor of Fort Myers actually saying that this looks, his city looks like a war zone. And I can echo that because we have witnessed those exact things uh, in and around Fort Myers. And you're just looking at a small taste of what this city is going to have to endure in the days and weeks to come as they go through the cleanup and recovery process. But believe me, it gets worse the closer you get to the coast because as we know, this has been a triple threat with this storm, not only the storm surge, which you're witnessing the damage behind me, but also the flooding that is still receding about two feet above normal high tide levels right now in the neighborhoods leading up to Fort Myers Beach. Jake? The um, uh, Lee County officials we're hearing say that they've received roughly 200,000, 200,000 911 calls from people in need in that area, but the widespread destruction... Nope, nope we're not live. ...is, is impeding uh, rescue operations. I'm not sure if Derek's able to hear me now. It sounds like uh, maybe we had a, a, a comms issue. Derek, can you hear me? I can hear you, Jake. Anyway, okay. what I was saying was... So uh, Lee County and, and, officials and, say 200,000 911 calls, but they can't send the first responders to everywhere in the county because of all the devastation. Well, the, the, the water is still inundating the neighborhoods. Uh, as I mentioned, it's two feet above normal high tide right now. And the problem is that it, it's virtually impossible to get to those impacted areas that have been hit the hardest, uh, not to mention roads and and uh, complete roadways have been washed out. Uh, and we have witnessed that on our drive into Fort Myers today. We couldn't even get to Fort Myers Beach because it was basically impassable. Jim. All right, Derek Van Dam in Fort Myers for us. Thanks so much. We have a breaking update now from the National Hurricane Center. So let's go right to the meteorologist Tom Sater in the CNN Severe Weather Center. And, and Tom, uh, as Ian went out to sea, it became a tropical storm. It was downgraded. What's the status now? Uh, we've got ourselves a hurricane. Once again, and ready for its third landfall. Uh, Cuba first, knocking out power to the entire country. Then, of course, we know in southwest Florida, that angle of approach we talked about the other day with such strength and power would go across the entire peninsula. Would it continue uh, to keep some sort of circulation and strength? We knew that by the time it got off to the coast of the northeast that we would still have some tropical storm force winds. But a lot of times, Jake, when they interact with a landmass, they fall apart. This has now become a hurricane. It's 240 miles south of Charleston. We are looking at an early afternoon landfall. Taking with it 
the amount of rainfall that we have seen, we're not going to see, you know, two and three months worth up to the north. But in Charleston, you only need, you know, four, five inches in the flood. And we're looking at a high amount that's going to carry it well inland as well. I mean, the entire southeastern coastline is pretty much going to be inundated with a surge again. It's not going to be what we saw in southwest Florida. But in Charleston, you toss in five, six, this is up to seven feet of a surge. The entire downtown historic area is flooded. And not just by a foot or two. It doesn't take much to flood. And then you toss several inches of rainfall on top. It's called the low country for a reason. Inundation maps are already showing us in yellow here. This is three feet in yellow. And if you see any orange, we're getting up to six feet, which we have. Here's Kiowa Island and Charleston up to the north. Look how far inland that the surge now moves in on the southeastern coastline. Now, some of this is marshland. That's fine. But not when you get into Charleston and all these tributaries and waterways as well. The wind field is another big story here. The wind field now, Jake, is 600 miles I mean, we knew it was going to encapsulate the entire peninsula of Florida. That's twice the size and width that we had at landfall, 600 miles. So every time the system underwent rapid intensification, uh, right before landfall as well, every time it went through one of those eyewall replacement cycles and, and reorganizes, and now that it's generated to a Category 1 hurricane, the wind field continues to expand. So not only are we going to have more water rescues, I mean, it's all across areas of north central Florida to the northeast. It's just, it's mind boggling the tens and tens of thousands of personnel that are out search and rescue in every city uh, that has been inundated with, you know, 15, 20, 25 inches of rainfall. The hurricane winds now in red move into the Charleston area and points to the north. So, what it's bringing with it, St. Augustine still has a gust of 49. Savannah's got Augusta 49. You got, you know, Tybee Island and Simon. We're going to find this eyewall, and this is a pretty good indication, Jake, of what we're looking at for tomorrow afternoon. If this pose is right and the track shifted just a little north now of Charleston, it's going to carry these winds up through several states. We've got eight states right now where the river levels are at or above flood stage already. And that's part of the problem that we've been dealing with, with all the water rescues from areas of Acadia to Orlando to Winter Park and, of course, uh, Kissimmee. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's just unbelievable what we've been witnessing. And so terribly sad. And it's going to get worse. Tom Sater in the CNN Severe Weather Center. Thank you so much for that update. update. A tragic update now. The death toll in Florida from Hurricane Ian is now at least 17. Today, rescuers are doing what they can to reach people who are still trapped by the floodwaters. As far inland as Orange County, home to Orlando. But first, listen to the Lee County Sheriff, home to Fort Myers, describing the situation he saw today while taking a helicopter tour of Lee County. There's really no words that I can say to tell you what I've seen. Uh, The Fort Myers Beach area, um, buildings, major, major homes and buildings completely washed away with vehicles in the water, vehicles in the bay. That is a stunning look uh, at the Sanibel Causeway you're looking at right now. That's right outside Fort Myers uh, from our affiliate WBBH. Uh, The causeway is the only way to reach the barrier island of Captiva and Sanibel by car, meaning as of now, as of last night, the island is completely cut off to any uh, road vehicle access. They can only get to Sanibel by boat. Uh, Less than 200 miles to the north of Sanibel, stunned Orlando residents, northeast really, have been 
waiting to evacuate flooded areas, which have received up to 16 inches of rain. CNN's Don Lemon joins us now live from Orlando. And Don, you've been out with some rescue workers, checking in on residents. What are they finding? How are the citizens of uh, Orange County doing? Hey, Jake, this is what they're finding, really. I mean, if this, we're in a neighborhood. This is the middle of downtown Orlando. And you can see the cars stuck here. This water actually has receded. And we're just a couple of blocks from Lake Eola, and I believe some of this is from there. Uh, obviously, some of it rainwater. But inland flooding, inland flooding. And they're seeing this all over the place. And earlier, they're seeing more cases. I mean, it was up uh, past the, 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 the street signs here, uh, and the traffic signs in the neighborhood. And we went out today to get on rescue boat with some of the people from the uh, Orlando Fire and Rescue, go out and look for people. Many of them stayed. Some of them didn't want to go, even when they came in to rescue them after the flooding, what they said just moments ago. We're also told um, that many people decided to stay. What are they saying when they get on the boat? Well, a lot of them are, you know, they want to stay because it's their home. It means a lot to them, you know, and a lot of these people, they've lost a lot. So, you know, those that do come into the boat are very thankful that we were there to aid to them, you know, give them aid and help them. Lieutenant, are you surprised when people don't want to leave? Um, I am, but I can understand, you know, this is this is everything to them. This is their home, their belongings. And, you know, it's just it's devastating to see, you know, what they go through. But... You know, at the same time, we have a job to do, and we have to keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, their their lives are our number one issue. Yeah. And if you look here, I mean, look, if there's a, the folks right here, Lieutenant, the mailbox, and then the car yeah. still in the driveway. And the right. imagine a malfunction with the battery or whatever, and the lights are still on. Yeah, we've run into that all day. We started, when we started this morning, it was in the, you know, pitch dark. Um, and all the cars were just, all of them, uh, alarms going off, lights going on, no control at all. Yeah. Some of them you can just barely see the top of the roof. And they said that they rescued uh, more than 200 people uh, today, and they expect to do more uh, in, in the coming hours. The rain has slacked off a little bit, Jake, but it, it can pick up at any moment. But again, look, I was out there yesterday and I, I saw um, members of the, the fire department going in and fire trucks with bullhorns asking people to get out before the storm got bad. And they said, you know, you're within the window. If you don't get out now, you're going to be here. And if the rain comes and starts to flood, we won't be able to get to you. Well, today they woke up, uh, the pumps weren't working, the electricity went out, and some of the people had to leave because the water was coming into their homes. But as you know, you've covered these stories. People don't want to leave their homes for some reason, and then they end up getting stuck. And then the folks have to go out and risk their lives to try to get them. And that's what those people from the emergency workers are doing, risking their lives in order to get people who refuse to leave, uh, either for a mandatory evacuation order or a voluntary one. All right. The heroic first responders, Don Lemon, reporting on their work live from Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much, my friend. Appreciate it. Just south of Orlando, Hurricane Ian left behind devastating an extensive flooding in Osceola County, uh, drone video from Kissimmee showing a, a hospital parking garage partially underwater. City residents there being urged to shelter in place as first responders continue their rescue operations, as you just heard Don describing. At least one death connected to the storm has been confirmed in that county. Uh, let's bring in Osceola County Emergency Director Bill Litton. 
Um, Bill, thanks for joining us. You're in the early stages of assessing the extent of damage and flooding throughout the county. How bad is it uh, from what you understand? And tell us what you're seeing now. Well, good evening, Jake. It's been historical. It's been a, a worst case scenario for us here in Osceola County. We're projecting, um, but, you know, it's the last several days, 10 to 15 inches of rain. We're closely approaching that 14 inch mark today. Uh, but we've had areas of Kissimmee, uh, parts of our unincorporated area flood that we've never seen before. Uh, the Kissimmee uh, video that you showed was uh, one of our hospitals here, Osceola Regional, which is our trauma two level center. Uh, was surrounded by water this morning. Our rescues could not make entry. Uh, some of that area has recited now, which is good. Um, the ambulances have uh, retained service there now. We actually had another uh, hospital that was taken on water in the emergency room this morning too. Uh, so we're fortunate, but we've been doing a lot of rescues and subdivisions in both our county and city of Kissimmee. Um, and moving those uh, persons out and getting shelter uh, locations uh, throughout the day today. So thank you for our firefighters and our law enforcement personnel uh, for making those rescues today. Well, let's talk about the first responders in Kissimmee because they've been rescuing people from the dangerous floodwaters all day. I want you to take a listen to how one county resident described her family's struggle for safety. Uh, take a listen. We managed to get as many people as possible out. Like, literally, we were carrying, my husband, my children, we were carrying other people's kids above our heads. The water reached, like, to our chest. People were trapped inside, elderly, uh, wheelchair. Elderly people, children trapped. Are you hearing a lot of these sorts of stories as well? Yes, throughout the day, Jake, we've been hearing these stories and and working through these uh, and making the saves as we can make these. So we're fortunate to have the all our city partners and county partners uh, to be able to pull these individuals um, out of the water. But like we said, this has been a historical event for us. We're still tracking, um, you know, a peak of water, one of our river gauges to be a historical mark of over 63 uh, feet of water. Uh, so we called for a self-evacuation of that area about three days ago, knowing uh, the history and what we've known from Hurricane Irma in that area. Uh, so we're we were glad to do that. Uh, but now knowing that it's going to be a historical mark with this storm. All right, Bill Litton, thank you so much and best of luck in your task. Coming up, we're going to talk with the mayor of one of the hardest hit cities in Florida, Fort Myers. After touring the damage, the county sheriff said there were no words to describe it. Stick around. As Hurricane Ian heads from the Atlantic back to the East Coast, cities on the East Coast of Florida are experiencing the storm's wrath. In St. Augustine, south of Jacksonville on the west coast of Florida, flooding remains a problem. Ian has now strengthened back from a tropical storm into a Category 1 hurricane and is taking aim right now at Georgia and South Carolina, north of Florida. CNN's Nick Valencia is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, ahead of landfall. Nick Tell us what conditions are like there where you are. Well, Jake, right now they're just bracing for the worst of it to come into the overnight hours and early morning hours. We're here now at Myrtle Beach State Park, where you can see the waves behind me are already pretty rough. You see local residents coming out here to check out the conditions. Local officials here have put in a double red flag warning, meaning they don't want people to get into the ocean. It's actually, you know, having covered so many storms in the past, pretty surprising not to see anyone in the ocean right now. Usually you see one or two surfers testing their limits, but not today. Hurricane warning is in effect. Wind is a factor. You can see gusts of wind, probably about 
about 25 miles per hour. Sustained winds at about 15 miles per hour. Light drizzle, but really the major stuff is expected to come into the overnight hours and early morning hours. Just a short time ago, I did talk to Horry County Emergency Management. They tell me that they are in wait and see mode, knowing that Hurricane Ian is making its way uh, towards the South Carolina coast. They say they have yet to activate, fully activate their emergency operation center, but that is only a matter of time as local and city officials here are worried about the potential of flooding as Hurricane Ian bears down on the South Carolina coast. Jake. All right, Nick Valencia in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Thanks so much. Coming up, we're going to talk with the mayor uh, of one of the hardest hit cities in Florida, Fort Myers, after touring the damage. The county sheriff there said there were no words to describe what he saw. Stick around. The death toll from Hurricane Ian is now at least 17, and that number tragically could rise as we learn more about the damage and devastation. You're looking right now at aerials from the Fort Myers area. You see boats tossed around like toys, piers broken into pieces, roofs ripped off homes. The, The pictures look like they're from a war zone. Hurricane Ian could be the deadliest hurricane in Florida's history. That's what President Biden said after he received a briefing on the hurricane damage at FEMA headquarters earlier today. Let's bring in CNN's Caitlin Collins, who's at the White House. Caitlin, uh, tell us more about what President Biden had to say. Yeah, Jake, he had this briefing behind closed doors, and then he came out. He thanked those who have been working around the clock at FEMA. But he also warned that after that briefing that there could potentially be substantial loss of life from Hurricane Ian. And, of course, he said these are early reports. We don't exactly know what these numbers are going to look like, Jake, as these officials are still surveying the damage on the ground of what happened in Florida. But that is a blunt warning coming from President Biden. And we know that one of the officials who's going to be on the ground helping Florida officials sort through this damage, assess the damage tomorrow, is going to be the FEMA administrator, Dan Criswell. That was something that the White House announced today shortly after President Biden spoke with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The second conversation that they have had in recent days about what's happening on the ground in Florida and what the federal government can do to help Jake. And overnight, President Biden did declare a major disaster. He approved a major disaster declaration. That really helps free up federal resources. It opens up all of these federal programs to help people who are on the ground, obviously dealing with such immense loss, as you can see from these pictures. Uh, Caitlin Collins, uh, is uh, the president uh, making plans at all to to visit the the state to survey the damage? Yeah, obviously a consideration for any president going to a scenario like this is they have to consider the own footprint that they bring. You know, a big presidential motorcade, a lot of resources on the ground are diverted to a presidential visit. That's why you don't often see them go right away. But President Biden did say he plans to go there. He plans to go to Puerto Rico, which was battered as well by storms in recent days. And when he was asked, you know, what's his relationship like with Governor Ron DeSantis, who on the political front, they certainly have taken their hits at one another. He said he believes that question was irrelevant. He said their political differences don't matter at this time. They have spoken twice in recent days. He said that uh, Governor DeSantis actually thanked him for the immediate quick response from the federal government. So that is something we should expect to see. But the White House hasn't announced exactly when President Biden is expected to visit Florida, Jake. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House. Thanks so much. I want to bring in the mayor of Fort Myers, Florida, Kevin Anderson. He's on the phone. Uh, We spoke with him uh, yesterday. Mr. Mayor, I I know Fort Myers was one of the hardest hit areas. Can you tell us about the damage you have now seen? We've uh, suffered uh, substantial damage in our downtown area with flooding. Um, I took a tour around the city today. Saw uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, devastation with the, the the trees, the power lines, the roofs. Um, 
it, it wasn't good looking. Do you know of any um, deaths in Fort Myers or, or individuals who are unaccounted for? No. Within the city of Fort Myers, we have had no reported uh, loss of life. We did, however, conduct uh, upwards of 200 uh, rescues. As you know, um, a lot of deaths and injuries in situations uh, such as this happen after the storm passes, when people go out and trees fall on them or they have incidents with power lines or or other such tragedies. Uh, Are you worried uh, that the citizens of Fort Myers might try to return too quickly to their homes uh, and, and find themselves in dangerous situations? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have uh, uh, trees that are ready to fall, haven't fallen yet. There is a risk. We have power lines that are ready to fall, traffic lights. Um, there's no telling what's in the roadway. If you still have uh, flooding, uh, there's any number of um, items could be in the water. So it's, it's very dangerous to be out there moving around. People really should hold back, uh, let us get in there and clear the roads, make an assessment, and then take our lead. At one point, TV stations in your area were knocked off the air. What can you tell us about the challenge of getting critical information to the citizens uh, of Lee County, of Fort Myers? It it is. That is one of our biggest challenges uh, because we're without Internet in most places. Even the cell phone uh, service has been very spotty at times. Um, a lot of people don't have electricity, so they're not watching TV. Um, we're, we're doing our best to uh, use our public uh, our safety personnel uh, as they go through neighborhoods to share the information. Uh, but it is a challenge. What does your community need the most right now, and are you getting it from the state and federal government? Uh, I, I spoke to both President Biden and Governor DeSantis prior to the storm hitting, and they, they've been very supportive with their pledge. I believe the governor's in town today. Um, you know, we, we need to get our roads cleared. We need to get the utilities back up, and we need to get people rebuilding. Tomorrow we will start uh, with several uh, food, water, and ice distribution centers. Hopefully that will help ease uh, what people are dealing with. Are rescue crews able to reach people who are crying out for help right now? Uh, We're looking at images uh, from this morning in Fort Myers, uh, and the roads just look uh, unsurpassable. Most of our major thoroughfares have been cleared. So, yes, our emergency teams are able to reach uh, a majority of the areas of the city. Um, We've seen a video of restaurants and businesses nearly destroyed. are you worried about the long-lasting impact this might have, especially when it comes to tourism, which is such a vital part of the, of the Fort Myers economy? Oh, absolutely. I am in this, the core of downtown uh, on the second floor, and I could last, or all yesterday, I watched the water come up from the river and flood our downtown. This is a downtown that we have taken the last several decades to rebuild and revitalize, and so it concerns me that a lot of those businesses affect it maybe we'll go go dark and then we won't, you know, we will lose that economy and that's not good for the tourism either. Governor DeSantis uh, went on an aerial tour uh, of the area and he said that the storm surge in Sanibel Island um, was, he used the term biblical. Is that what it was like in Fort Myers as well? Not so much in downtown Fort Myers. We had about four feet. 
I, I could actually look down toward the river. There was a, uh, a FedEx box that I used as a gauge, and the water got almost to the top of that box, which would be about four feet before it started to, to uh, recede. All right, Kevin Anderson, the mayor of Fort Myers, Florida, thank you so much. Please stay in touch with us so we can continue to shine a light on, on whatever you and the citizens of Fort Myers need. Thank you so much. New video just into CNN. This is the flooding left behind by Hurricane Ian in Hardy County, Florida. That's southeast of Tampa. Water nearly reaching the roofs. Cars flooded. Streets that are basically just now rivers. Our breaking news coverage continues next. Stay with us. Relief organizations are already working to get help to the victims of Hurricane Ian. Some of those victims left with nothing, only the clothes on their backs. Joining us now on the phone is Sam Block. He's the director of emergency response for World Central Kitchen. That, of course, is the nonprofit founded by celebrity chef Jose Andres to provide meals in disasters and war zones. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Your organization posted video as you flew into Sanibel Island. Describe what you saw from the air and, and on the ground there. It's a lot of destruction. Uh, a lot of those homes are, are really quite destroyed. And then that island, as well as several other islands, the, the road access, the bridges to those islands aren't just broken. They're non-existent. A lot of them have been, uh, sections of them have been completely washed away. How many meals uh, did you bring to the first responders and to the residents who are now essentially trapped on Sanibel Island? In Sanibel, we dropped about 500 uh, thus far today. We've just landed in Punta Gordo, and we've reloaded the helicopter and are headed back out to Pine Island, which is, uh, you know, we've identified three trailer parks on Pine Island that have been very badly hit. So our next priority is to get them what they need. You're, you're, as you just noted, you're back on the mainland in Punta Gorda, uh, which is, uh, for people not familiar, just north of Fort Myers. You've been to Cape Coral uh, today as well. What have you seen in these places? Um, does World Center Kitchen plan to set up operations on the mainland at all? Oh, definitely. We've already, we're already fully running at about 14,000 meals uh, thus far today. And we'll, as we continue to, we've got teams all up and down the coast and down on the island. As we uh, continue to find more need, our, our teams will continue to scale uh, to meet that need. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, did an aerial tour of Sanibel Island. He described the storm surge there, the, the, the flooding, as biblical. Um, is that what you saw as well? Sorry about that. A little bit of a helicopter taking off here. Yeah, oh. absolutely. The, the storm surge, uh, the, the rain and the wind, uh, some of these areas just really devastated quite a bit. All right, Sam Block with the World Central Kitchen. Thank you, and thanks for the work you do. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. After weakening to a tropical storm, Ian is now once again a hurricane, currently a Category 1 storm, targeting Georgia and South Carolina. Our hurricane coverage continues in a moment, but I do want to turn to a major development in our politics lead because Ginny Thomas, the conservative activist and wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, met today with the January 6th Select House Committee. Her lawyer stressed it was a voluntary interview, even though members of the panel have wanted to speak with her for some time about her involvement in efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, including text messages to the White House Chief of Staff, begging him to keep fighting the results, and to state lawmakers in Arizona and Wisconsin, encouraging them to meddle in their respective states' slates of presidential electors. CNN's Jamie Gangel joins us live. And Jamie, what do we know about her testimony today? And remind us again why she is 
perceived as such an important witness. So can we just say how remarkable it is just to see that picture of the wife of a Supreme Court justice coming in to testify for the January 6th committee? Uh, We have learned that she had a prepared statement, in fact, at the top of her interview in which she made clear she addressed that her election activities were separate from her husband. So she did not wait for a question on that. As you said, it was voluntary. Uh, We are told that she cooperated, that she answered every question. But Chairman Benny Thompson has also told uh, reporters that she still believes the election was stolen, Jake. So after everything we know, Ginny Thomas is still an election denier. Even though 60 court cases, all the election boards, all the Trump-supporting governors and attorneys general and secretaries of state, et cetera, et cetera, no evidence of widespread fraud that would have swung the election in any state. Including Attorney General Bill Barr, who said on December 1st, there is no fraud here. And yet she still believes it? She, she does. And I think we should just remind people of the text messages she sent to Mark Meadows. This one, I want to remind people, is after January 6th. This is on January 10th. And she texts Mark Meadows, then the chief of staff, we are living through what feels like the end of America. Most of us are disgusted with the VP and are in listening mode to see where to fight with our teams. Those who attack the Capitol are not representatives of our great teams of patriots for DJT. Amazing times, the end of liberty. That's just wild. I mean, that's just untethered from all the facts and evidence. That's correct. Uh, The committee has one more hearing to go. We don't have a date yet, but now I'm told there'll be new information and they certainly have this new testimony from Ginny Thomas. That's right. There was supposed to be a a hearing yesterday, but obviously the the hurricane Hurricane. uh, changed the scheduling. Jamie Gangel is always amazing reporting. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN if you ever miss an episode of the show. You can listen to The Lead whence you get your podcast. Our coverage continues now with Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room. I'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max. A new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call me country. Beyonce and Nashville's renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.